0: Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts most days from Southern California. Today we're in Lubbock, Texas. Site of... Man. It's not the biggest college basketball game of the year in terms of meaning for standings, meaning for a league championship, meaning for... Uh, A number one seed. It's not the NCAA tournament, but I would say it will be the most, uh, the best atmosphere all year. This and, of course, Duke's last game of the year when they take on North Carolina. That's the last game for Coach K. The difference is there's an insane amount of hatred towards Chris Beard, who's now the Texas coach. He used to be the Texas Tech head coach. And this, well, this is his first trip back to Lubbock. So um, a a bunch of stuff is going on in the world of sports, but I'm not sure if you guys are aware, Tom Brady apparently retired again. Is that what I'm I'm looking at? Jason Stewart, he retired a second time in the matter of, I'm kidding, of course, in terms of retiring a second time, but this time it is official, officially official Tom Brady retires. So that's where we have to kind of start, right? Start and end every show with Tom Brady retires and everything that kind of goes along with that, and what's fascinating about the Tom Brady retirement is I guess you know he did not put anything about the Patriots about Mr. Kraft or about uh Bill Belichick in in the release um, what i've been told was this is something he was working on, and um jeff Darlington from e s p n he was the one who uh he was the one who got um Got the scoop while Tom Brady was in Europe. And Brady, of course, had to come back, was, is upset that somebody scooped him. He won to announce his own retirement. This is the final call of the Bucks win over the Chiefs in last year's Super Bowl.
2: In a world turned upside down by pandemic, in a year where everything has been different, one thing remains the same. Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions led by Tom Brady. Absolutely a player for the ages. We've just hit zeros and it's over. The Buccaneers have beaten the defending champion Chiefs 31 to 9.
0: Uh, that was a call on Westwood One. Of course, the incomparable Kevin Harlan with the call. It's Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. So he- here's the... You know, I think what you're going to get from people is greatest of all time, right? So the greatest of all time is how everybody writes it, how everybody thinks it. It's what he's known as. What's the next sentence? Or what is, who is Tom Brady to you? That's my question to you. Who is Tom Brady to you? Dan Byer? who is Tom Brady? For, for a guy who's covered sports for his entire professional life, who is Tom Brady to you? Who is Tom Brady to you? John Ramos for a guy who's been around sports, covered sports for the entirety of your professional career. Who is Tom Brady to you? Uh, he is a winner. Hmm. Okay. Jason yep. Stewart?
1: Wow. I, I like that one, John. Succinct. Um, I mean, it's really tough to kind of narrow it down, right? But it's like the toughest position, uh, at in the hardest position in the most popular sport in the world, he was the best at I think that's the only way that I could put it from just kind of a fundamental standpoint and just kind of a you know where he stands in sports history
0: okay okay uh Dan Byer, Tom Brady to you okay we said greatest of all time is everybody's lead sentence what's the second sentence to you if you if I say Tom Brady who is he to you
1: uh personally he was a thorn in my side when he was at Michigan for for a little while there um and then not necessarily a guy that I that I cheered uh for so that's all from a personal personal um way but I, I think um from a professional or from a just a look at it as a broadcaster uh, the greatest quarterback that we've seen in the NFL hmm.
0: okay um I think I've said this before but I, I among the Look, he's a winner, and we can. Is he the greatest to ever throw a football as a thrower of the football? No. He obviously didn't move terribly well. He wasn't perfect. He didn't win every game. He threw a great deep ball during his peak. You know, he was he was a fifty touchdown guy. You know, early on and early on it was a lot of running the football, a lot of screen passes. Late, it was a lot of underneath stuff as well. But Tom Brady, of course, is synonymous with winning. Winning is not an accident. People don't win that much, and it's not some sort of fluke, right? You don't take a below-average franchise like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and immediately win them a Super Bowl and even make the playoffs this year. There's something more than just talent that it takes. There's an ability to lead people to win and, and lead them not just by example in terms of how you play, but other things in how you compete and how you work. But Tom Brady is, if it's funny, because he retires now, the reverence that people have for him is far greater than it would have been had he retired after they won their last Super Bowl with the Patriots. And, and what's different? That he won one more Super Bowl? You know, he lost in the first round of the playoffs. The two kind of bookend years around that Super Bowl win in Tampa—is that what did it? I believe that Tom Brady, what he has gone through, is really a, a lot like Brussels sprouts. I, I love to use the Brussels sprouts reference, and he's the perfect example. After Deflate Gate, if and if you have to remember how Deflate Gate happened, hey, Deflate Gate happened because the Patriots were in the playoffs. Okay, and they were taking on the Baltimore Ravens, and they used a couple of, I guess you would call them trick formations, different guys eligible. And after the game, the Ravens were extremely upset, extremely upset. And what happened? Okay. Tom Brady, after the page, after they was extremely upset. They, they went to Tom Brady in the locker room and Tom Brady's like, mm, they should read the rule book. That's what he actually said. They should read the rule book. I mean, it was as arrogant a thing as you're ever going to say. They beat the Baltimore Ravens 35-31. The next week they played the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game. And in the AFC Championship game, that's when, and the Ravens, of course, were coached at the time by a Baltimore, former Baltimore Raven assistant. I'm sure he gave him the head, I'm sure the Ravens gave the Colts the heads up. Hey, check out those footballs. They're not inflated like they should be. They checked him before the game, they checked him at halftime. Then they reload then they got new footballs that were loaded up with air, and Tom Brady blew out the Colts in the second half. He had to answer questions all up until that Seattle Super Bowl, which they won on the interception by Russell Wilson. He had to answer, remember, on a Monday morning, so what would have been yesterday morning, instead of talking about the Super Bowl, it was all about ball inflation. So you go from that point and that story to his entire tenure with the Patriots, even the comeback against the Falcons after serving the four-game suspension to start the year. What is the greatest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl? Tom Brady was still seen as... Part of Spygate, part of Deflategate, okay? There's no real deflator. There's the Why did he destroy his phone? Tom Brady was despised. He wasn't revered because of his winning. He was despised. Then fast forward to now. Think of all the reverence that players around the league, fans around the league, he still has one of the most popular jerseys in the NFL. People bought Tom Brady Tampa Bay jerseys. They called it Tampa Bay. When we were kids, Brussels sprouts smelled like farts. Your mom would steam them. And if she did, you're like, oh, God, I hope the dog likes them. Right? If you had to eat them, you'd just literally hold your nose and eat them. Somewhere, somebody along the way is like, hey, you know, you could either cut them up and put olive oil on them and bake them. That's what we do. Some salt, if you want some balsamic glaze. Or you can flash fry them and they're delicious. Brussels sprouts went from the most grotesque thing outside of beef tongue your mom could ever make that made the whole house smell like flatulence to it's now a widely respected and even beloved aperitif, that's appetizer, appetizer on menus that like chilies and spoons and Denny's. that, That is a 180. Tom Brady is just like Brussels sprouts. You used to not like him. You know, he was cheesy, he was corny, couldn't dance. He was all into this, you know, TB12 method. Kind of felt like snake oil sales they were trying to sell to people. He leaves New England. He wins the Super Bowl. He releases a Facebook show, does the man in the arena, does the manning cast. You know, just looks gets white boy wasted at the victory parade with a knee sleeve on. And suddenly, he goes from a despised leader of the henchmen known as the New England Patriots to the most beloved, greatest quarterback of all time. That's Brussels Sprouts. He had longevity. He had one of the greatest seasons in the history of sport. He had an undefeated regular season. He had seven Super Bowls that he won. He competed in 10 of them. That's who Tom Brady is to me. By the way, this is still the most incredible comeback I've ever seen when the Patriots beat the Falcons. Here's on the Patriot Trader Network. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss
1: sweep right for James White. Cuts it up with the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Drop.
0: Uh, give me your thoughts at Gottlieb show is the Twitter handle. It's also the Instagram handle. Former quarterback um, at Oklahoma, Caleb Williams officially announced where he's going. What does it mean for the college landscape? I'll tell you in a second. Be sure to catch the
1: live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 PM. Eastern noon Pacific on Fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio radio app.
0: Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. Oh, how obnoxious, how obnoxious are uh, USC guys going to (laughs) be? Man, be so obnoxious, you know? So uh, Caleb Williams, of course, the now former Oklahoma quarterback, announced earlier today he's going to USC, which completes the the full sweep of, hey, we're going to take the recruits we want. The teammates we want, the quarterback we want, and the coach we want, and to head to USC. That's a wow. That's a wow. Um, I get it. I understand why you follow. i And I actually think Caleb Williams, for the most part, did it the right way. He played in the bowl game. You know, he gave it a look at what it's going to be like, and he decided to follow the coach he believed in. Nothing wrong with that? What's wrong with that? But I, this is really, really good and healthy – for the sport of college football because you can't, this cannot be a Southeastern and Ohio sport long-term if it wants to keep growing long-term. That's really the story here. Short-term it's one thing long-term you got to have more well-rounded playoffs and finals. And that means more eyes, more television sets, more people who care around the country. Bayer you don't think that what do you think Tampa does now like that's a real question because there's so many questions now with Chris Godwin question with Rob Gronkowski obviously they never replaced Antonio Brown what do they do with Leonard Fournette and then the quarterback position do you think does Tampa try and rebuild do they try and reload
1: what's your best guess the one good thing I think that Tampa does have going for it is their defense and uh the, uh, the with guys like Vitavea and they have young players in their secondary and Levante David they've got they've got players um, like that defense is pretty good like maybe in Dominican Sue and Jason Pierre Paul you would be like all right I don't know how long those guys are you know going to be around but I think that their defensive core is you know is is, is pretty good so what you do at the quarterback position uh, I'm not sure I think that they're you know could be options out there i don't i don't believe that kyle trask is there is their future i don't know if they would want to go that route i think that they would be players um in the market for someone who could be a starter but i don't think that they are going to fall off the map not with that defense and yeah, you still have mike evans there and you know brought up Godwin's situation they're not going to be as good as they obviously were but they're going to be a defensive team more than the offense
0: do you think they they try? I mean, they don't. I know the Seahawks don't want to trade Russell Wilson. Aaron, the Packers don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers. And the idea, either of those guys, in, even if they were traded in the NFC, seems remote. Yeah.
1: Part of the problem too is Tampa was good, so yeah. that first round pick that you would get is this year. And if you were to looking at drafting a quarterback, in you know this is not the draft to to do that. So. That that would be the only issue I think of, or one of the issues, I should say. If you're going to make a trade, what, Tampa's going to be picking, what, like, you know, 26, 27 around that, you know, neighborhood, so you wouldn't be getting a great first-round pick even if you were to deal a quarterback to Tampa. Um, Who knows? Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick goes back.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know, Ryan. <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot, of there's actually a lot of options out there, um, you know the 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 Wilson thing and the Rogers thing seems remote because in addition to not one, there's not a ton of to trade back. Um, I don't think you want to trade those guys to an NFC team. I, I guess the one question would be would they would they make a move for a Derek Carr if Josh McDaniels wanted to go get Garoppolo? That that that's a that's a maybe. Joe Banner joins us, former NFL executive, spent 20 years as a team executive with the Eagles and the Browns. Kind of to spend some time with this year on Fox Sports Radio. When I say Tom Brady to somebody who spent so much of their professional life finding ways to beat Tom Brady, competing in a league where Tom Brady's team dominated, what what would you what would you say are two sentences to describe him?
2: Well, not to be obvious, but I think the greatest ever and uh, virtually impossible to beat. You know, we played them with the Eagles twice in the Super Bowl, and once uh, we lost technically by three points, but frankly they beat us by much more than that. And then the second time we beat them, but that was just because their defense couldn't stop us, and we ended up scoring 40 points. But I know everybody's watched him. I don't know if you can fully appreciate just how special he is without actually competing with him, because every time you think you've got it figured out, you don't.
0: Joe Banner joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb show. What do you think Tampa does? You know, Tampa I mean it's it's a tough year. There there could be quarterbacks on the market on the move. The draft does not look deep. They did draft a Kyle Trask last year, but he's not a win now sort of guy. They have questions about uh, several other players. They try to run everything back. What do you think Tampa does?
2: I mean, I think they're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I think they're going to take a steep fall. And, you know, I think we'll see what happens with the coaching staff there. You know, I don't think at his age, Arians is really up for a step backward. You know, Switch is at least still in the mix on getting a coaching job. You know, I've been a fan of Todd Bowles. i worked with him for a few years in Philadelphia. I know he didn't do well with the Jets, but we'll see what happens with the coaching staff. Um, And then they're going to lose a bunch of guys no matter what they do. And, uh, you know, They'd go backwards without Tom no matter who replaced them. Now if you lose some of these other guys, and there's no doubt they will. Uh, in the division, that's getting a little bit better in a couple of spots. I still think in time, Carolina will prove they made the right hire there. I think they're in trouble. I think they're going to be one of the weaker teams in the league next year.
0: Joe Banner joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to the Chiefs. Um, they're up 21-3. to and they lose at home in overtime. They only scored three points for the second consecutive time against the Bengals, three points in the second half. What went, wrong, what went so wrong for the Chiefs from your perspective?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked me what went wrong because that's fairly easy. The why is really, really hard. I mean, you know, in my mind, they did a couple of things strategically. The Bengals switching to a three-man rush, which is something I usually hate, but it happened to work in this game. The Chiefs did get a little bit more conservative, and I mean that mostly around first down, where they were fairly balanced on first downs in the first half, which is the most effective down to pass on in the whole game, first and tens. You have more higher completion rate, more yards per reception on first down passes. Second half, the first seven first and tens they had, they ran five times. They threw a swing pass and a screen pass. So seven straight first and tens without one pass down the field. Which is what they've been so successful in the first down. I'm not talking bombs, 30, 40 yards. I'm just talking, you know, five to 15 yard type passes. So I think they slowed themselves down to some degree, and the defensive change that the Bengals made was effective. And I don't know if it was just the end of the first half of what happened, but Patrick Mahomes is unrecognizable in the second half of that game. I don't know if we just was upset about what happened at the end of the half. I know at one point at the end he made a comment that, you know, Mahomes really wanted to try one more play and he wanted to support him. And, you know, maybe that had a big emotional impact on Mahomes. But something changed because even the passes that were there to make or the reads that were there to make in the second half, he, he didn't even look like a good quarterback. Forget a special quarterback.
0: Yeah, so so help me out with that. Like, the why is – who do we have on yesterday, Jason, who said the exact same thing? It was like – that it was – it was odd. I mean, the idea of it's not just he has to have a clock in his head and to, and, to get the, and to get a field goal at the end of the half. He didn't. And from that point forward, he was a different guy. Is that the yeah. defense? Is that Reed getting down to him? Is it pressure on himself? Like, what do you, like Just again, this is more a hypothesizing. What do you think it came yeah. from that, that he was so off mm-hmm. in the second half in overtime?
2: Well, I do think there's a significant emotional impact especially the way the half ended and if it's correct that he was the one that really pushed to try to fit one more play in. I'm sure that didn't uh, sit well. And the changes that the Bengals made on defense turned out to be smart. I mean, if you would said to me before the game, that's what they're going to do. I said, oh, my God, they're going to get killed. I mean, there's a cent. He'll deep. He'll run right by this, you know, eight-man secondary. Usually a bunch of slower guys with a couple of fast guys, and he'll have the field day. But that's not what happened. It it worked. And I don't know if it's just because unexpected and then the coaches didn't make the necessary changes. But there were even very simple passes. And, you know, he wasn't really pressured. He ended up taking sacks that were totally on him. I mean, sometimes it's a mixture. Sometimes it's just on the offensive line. But he took sacks where they had a good solid three or four seconds, which is plenty of time in the NFL to make a read and make a play. And he still wasn't. Uh, that's why I think there was some emotional component to, you know, what happened. And we can't deny the correlation between what happened at the end of the half and when his play went south, so again, as you say, we're just theorizing. But it's hard to believe there wasn't some correlation between what happened at the end of the half and how poorly he played the rest of the game, even under circumstances that in some situations were just very easy. They were really gimmies, and he just couldn't even complete them.
0: How do you explain the Bengals' turnaround to being a Super Bowl team after two years ago having arguably the worst defense in the history of the sport and being such a such a mess for the past four or five years?
2: Well, I don't think this fully explains it, but I think it starts to explain it. I mean, I've been – teams that get to the Super Bowl almost always have two things, really top-quality quarterback play and really dynamic defensive lines that can produce pressure even when they're playing against good offensive lines. And a year ago even, two years ago, two years ago they were terrible at both of those things. Even last year their defensive line was getting better but had a long way to go, and the quarterback – Showed some potential, but didn't look like what he does now. So now they have a top-tier quarterback, and their defensive line was outstanding. And, again, they didn't get the sacks based on their pressures, but they certainly affected the game dramatically with the quality of that defensive line. And they did a resigning a few guys like a Hubbard and then going down and stealing a guy from New Orleans that everybody thought was a one-year wonder. And guess what? He wasn't a one-year wonder. It turns out he's a really good player. So nobody's going to underestimate Hendrickson again. And between those guys, they had some good, solid players. They picked up, uh, I'm not great at pronouncing his name, but Okajobi from the Browns. The Browns have been making a lot a lot more good decisions lately, but letting him get out of the building was not a good one. And he didn't play in the game yesterday, but he has really had a very positive impact recently. And one of the reasons that line doesn't even resemble the line that they had even a year ago, forget two years ago.
0: Yeah, it's really amazing what, what they've been able to do. All right, let's get to the NFC game. Um, Niners have the lead, but they're unable to run the football. Rams come storming back and win the game. I'll start with the Niners. What went so wrong?
2: Um, you know, they took the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and then they just had some missed opportunities. I'm sure at this point people are starting to feel like Kyle doesn't hold the lead. I've worked with Kyle. I hired him in Cleveland, and I was part of the search group that hired Dan Quinn in Atlanta and then convinced him to hire Kyle. So I'm a huge believer in Kyle, and I think he's proven it's deserved. Um, but he's got to really look in the mirror, and he's got to go back and put together all of the games that he's had, not just the big games, not the highly visible ones to us, all the games he's had where he's lost the lead. and he has really got to be the most objective with himself he's ever been. He's got to ask a few other people, maybe guys that are retired even, come and look at this and tell me what you think I did wrong or what I could have done differently, and he's going to have to be as open-minded and objective as anybody could ever be and he's really going to have to figure out, what am I doing wrong? Because I wasn't watching the game thinking, wow, all of a sudden he's doing stupid stuff. Or all of a sudden he gets so conservative, he's just trying to run off the clock. I didn't feel like that was happening. I felt like they got a little more conservative and they missed some plays that they should have made. But it's happened enough times with him in these big games that there's something to be figured out. And it's going to take a lot of study. It's going to take a lot of different eyeballs. Uh, but I have faith he will figure it out. They didn't play their offensive line nearly as well as they had in the previous games here when they've been playing well. That obviously contributes. But I don't think that was that different in the second half than the first half.
0: All right, let's go to the other side of the ball, the the, uh, the L.A. Rams. Uh, what what impressed you the most?
2: Well, you have to be impressed with Stafford. I mean, it's been hard to evaluate him all those years in Detroit. He always threw the ball really well. He didn't always look like he processed super fast and didn't seem like the coaches would give him the best opportunity to succeed. So now he's in a situation where he's got a scheme. He's got the quality of weapons around him that, you know, this is a true test. Now it's on you. If you succeed, you're going to get the credit. If you fail, you're going to get the blame. And, you know, he rose to the occasion. I mean, he, he rose to the occasion when they needed big plays to be made. He made them. He didn't just force the ball to places like cup that he'd been going all year. He used OBJ effectively. He, Use the running backs effectively. Um, frankly, I thought he'd get better play out of the offensive line than I expected. I thought San Francisco was to able to create huge pressure on him from the first play to last game. Last play of the game, that didn't happen. So I think the offensive line deserves some credit. And then, you know, he executed what was called, you know, very well. He read the field well. He balanced when to take a shot and when to be conservative and just move on to the next play. You know, frankly, much better than I think he's done in the past. And Hopefully that's a new him going forward, and he's just more comfortable and confident in the scheme. He clearly has a coach that believes in him. You can see after the game, they were looking for each other. Like, we did this. There was a real partnership there that I felt like you saw in the way they were celebrating. They, other people were trying to grab them or hug them, or, and they, they did it kind of quickly, but they, they were clearly looking for each other. I thought that was really telling about the relationship that they built and the confidence McFay has shown in him. Yeah,
0: I I agree. It's uh, it's 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 pretty, pretty special stuff. Um, Does these teams are built very differently, right? Cincinnati, it's about drafting their own. They have signed some guys, but that's more for the defensive line, right? Don't go out and spend a bunch of money. The Rams, they go all in and they've got some star players. Does does the construct of either of these teams change the way the league looks at, at how you build in order to win?
2: So I've been saying this uh, for a little while now. The Eagles a couple of years ago won a Super Bowl with almost all free agents um, and not very good drafting, frankly. Okay, but not very good drafting. So I remember there was a team uh, about four or five years before that did the same. Since the cap started moving up, and I've been a big advocate for a while, and I think the Rams have proved it. Since the cap has been increasing as dramatically as it's been, the ability to win – Without drafting, great. You know, we've been in the draft and re-sign-your-guys mode for like 30 years. And it was the right strategy when there wasn't a lot of cap room and re-signing your own guys used up whatever room you had quickly. When the cap started literally leaping forward, next year it's going up $25 bucks. It allowed teams that realized what that change was going to make a difference in how to best build teams to pursue two different paths to potentially be capable of winning a Super Bowl. And the Rams uh, chose one that, frankly, is a little more like basketball. We're going to get a group of star players, and then we're going to support them, and think those real difference makers can carry us. And there was a question in a lot of people's minds whether, in football, which we all call, you know, the true, the ultimate team sport, well, that could really work in this circumstance. But you know, they're going to another Super Bowl, and they were just there what four or five years ago, so. I do think, although I think this should have already happened even before the Rams did, that people uh, running these teams, making these decisions, should realize that the circumstances with the cap and the increases, and really the explosion of the cap, allow you to choose one of two different paths, both of which can lead you to be standing at the end of the season holding the trophy. And the teams that have just stuck on the way we've always done it—I mean, the Steelers and the Giants of the world—you know, we've seen them. They've descended. And it's going to be harder for them to come back. In the Pittsburgh case, they have a shot because they have such high-quality coaching. The Giants are going to really have to start thinking differently. But the teams that have been in this mode, hey, I'm going to draft my guys. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to re-sign them. And that's the end of my story, are going to be at a huge disadvantage going forward. And I think that's been true for like five years. But the Rams winning will help make it more obvious to people than it apparently has been because not many teams have tried this path.
0: You know, it's interesting. I mean, it's like in in college athletics, you know, if you're not if you're not in the transfer portal, you know, you're, you're not able to compete like the old days of signing a kid and getting him and coming mm-hmm. four years of college. And maybe he sits his first couple of years where the reality is kids don't want to sit. They get mad. They leave. You know, it's very, very hard to do it the way it used to be done, even if it worked that way for a for a long, long time. Um, yeah. Joe, yeah, oh, I'm sorry if I cut you off. Joe, thanks so much for no. joining us. Go ahead, what are you gonna say?
2: My pleasure. Always okay. a pleasure. Anytime. Be uh, well. I can't
0: wait. Can't wait to see you at the Super Bowl. Joe Banner. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m.
1: Eastern, noon Pacific.
0: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day at this time, we like to get you updated on a story or story of the day, stories of the day. We do so by playing a game.
1: time. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Dan Byer. Byer. Doug, what the game today is... Rank em. All right, five categories for you to rank things. Let's start out with the top three moments that you'll remember about Tom Brady's career. Hmm. Uh, moments can be anything. Don't have to be like
0: game moments. can be any moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The top three
0: moments. I would say uh, number three is the Super Bowl win last year. Number two is uh, the comeback win over the Falcons. And number one is when he left the Patriots for... Tampa Bay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He saved sports radio during uh, during COVID.
1: <laughs> yes, he did. And we uh, we will give him a nice gift basket. Maybe an edible arrangement for that. Alright, Doug, rank the three quarterbacks that have a chance to have a career like Tom Brady. Three quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, I don't expect quarter- a quarterback to win seven Super Bowls, but the three quarterbacks that could have a Brady-like career.
0: Um, he Pat Mahomes, oh, okay, so Mahomes is one. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Brady-like career. You've got- I mean, I, Josh Allen would be three. Kay. Justin Herbert would be two, and Pat Mahomes is one. The problem is they're all in the same conference. But Pat Mahomes is the most likely, I mean... The yeah, consistency did, of success there. I was curious
1: obvious. where Herbert would be. Didn't know if Joe Burrow was going to make that list. Uh, obviously, uh, he could make this next list, Doug. Rank the three most important players in Super Bowl 56: three most important mm, players that we'll see. Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Earl's legs did more of his damage, I felt, against the Chiefs on Sunday than his arm did in that game. We'll have to see if he can come through in Super Bowl 56. All right, Doug. Jim Harbaugh is going to be meeting with the Minnesota Vikings uh, coming up on Wednesday. Rank the three places that you think Jim Harbaugh wants to be next season. Now, I have three options here. You can go off the board. I have Ann Arbor, Minneapolis, Miami, even though Stephen Ross has said that he's not going to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. But if Stephen Ross knew that Jim Harbaugh was going to leave for Minnesota, maybe he would, you know. Or he could go off the board with this. But the rank, the three places you think Jim Harbaugh wants to be next season.
0: Uh, I will go number three would be Miami. Number two would be Minnesota. And number one would be.
1: Ann Arbor. Mm, think this is a power play for more money? No, or I, what? I
0: think no, actually it's flip them. I'm Ann Arbor two, Minnesota one. I think he wants back in the league. I think having a GM who's not a traditional football guy and is new and used to work for him as like almost an intern, I think that appeals to him. Um, it's the Midwest where he's where he's well regarded. Uh, I I think all that appeals to him, and I think he would have, you know, also also. It'll be really important. you know. Who you follow is really important. And what we're learning about Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman was they didn't talk to each other. They didn't get along. So that will allow him for more input into the football side and, and kind of running that football shop because they'll be working, quote-unquote, together. Um, so, yeah, Minnesota 1, Michigan 2,
1: and Miami 3. Maybe a fan of Target and Caribou Coffee and— some of the great stuff you can find in the Twin Cities. Finally, Doug, <laughs> moving, uh, moving south, you're in beautiful Lubbock, Texas right now. I've never been, but I've heard great things. Rank your top three favorite cities in the Lone Star State. Top three favorite cities in Lone Star State. Yes. A lot well, of good one's, options. Number one is
0: pretty obvious. My number two is not obvious. And i got to figure out number right. three.
1: So Galveston one.
0: <laughs> I've never yeah. been to Galveston. <laughs> <laughs> right on the. Ne- I've right been to Beaumont. It's the not golf. Golf. Not on the list. I've been to Beaumont. It's not on the list. Uh ooh. Uh, i t- a- This is gonna be a weird list. El Paso three. H and H Car Wash has incredible tacos. Just gonna say <laughs> All that right, right. it's good to know. Two is San Antonio.
1: I like San Antonio a great deal, and number one is Austin. Oh, wow. Houston and the Metroplex of Dallas and Fort Worth left off the list. It's just so big, and Houston's so hot in the summer, yeah. and Dallas, too. And
0: I mean, There's a lot of good stuff there, sure. but they're just cities. Just cities.
1: And that's game yeah. time. That's game, huh? Game time. This
2: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh,
0: Byer, you went to the University of Wisconsin, right? Yes. What was that like to go to school there? Oh,
1: it was great. It was, uh, you know, great education. I think it's one of the better campuses. You know, it can get cold in the winter, but you're off for a month from December to January. Yeah, you are
0: off for a month, right? right?
1: It's so weird when you play sports. You have no
0: recollection or understanding of what a Christmas break would be like. You know, you don't play on Christmas. That's about it. But even now, there are some. there's one sure. tournament that plays on Christmas. So, so
1: different. Yeah. No, I loved it.
0: Uh, this game tonight is going to be interesting. Jeff Goodman's going to join us later on, and uh, this Chris Beard coming back to Texas Tech and the uh, the hatred, the so, venom from Texas Tech
1: fans is remarkable. Yeah. How good for college basketball to have a game like this, though. Oh, <laughs> completely, yeah. Completely.
0: And and right now, when there's no football, no football this weekend to have this game, you know, is is yeah. really amazing. Really amazing. Check out the latest lines of world of sports at Sports Sportsbook. BetRiver's is trust the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. Present in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Josh McDaniels figured out what running a football team is all about. He was asked about what's different from Denver to now. Wait to hear his answer. It's next to the Doug Gottlieb Show.